I think we can agree that life is an adventure. A crazy, ridiculous, exhausting, upside down, hope-filled, and beautiful adventure. Finding our way can be frustrating and even a little confusing, but every step and every stumble brings us a little more clarity to who we are at our deepest core and where this trail of life is leading us. So walk alongside me as we navigate the adventure before us. I'm your host, Jennifer Lynn. Welcome to another episode of The Adventure Before Us. This is the last episode of the season. So I'm excited to have with me Jeannie. Um, We're going to talk about her new book, but before we jump in, Jeannie, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jen, and so grateful to be here with you and your listeners and that you are pursuing a life of adventure, which is something that is near and dear to my heart. So I'm just So grateful to be here. Uh, A little bit about me. I live in the Chicagoland area. Uh, I'm right outside of the city. So uh, about 20 minutes outside of the city. My husband and I started a church uh, that we pastor called Soul City Church. It's a little over a decade. Uh, We're going to celebrate our 12th anniversary this fall. And we have two kids. Uh, So we have a 16-year-old and a 14 year old. So we are all up in the teen zone around here (laughs) and they are just the loves of my life. Uh, Elijah is our 16 year old. Gigi is our 14 year old. And so they are in full on summer mode right now. So we are having a great time. I love it. Yeah. And I feel like it's important for our listeners to know that we have already covered the fact that you're from Illinois bears fan. I'm from Wisconsin Packer fan, but we're still going to do this podcast. So we are, we we have found a truce and some (laughs) peace between us, uh, because we're going to talk about being in the present moment. And so we've (laughs) named it. Yeah, we're clear with it and we're good. We're exactly. Good. Now, if we were in season, who knows what would happen? <laughs> well, I this love- is in the summer. Yes. Well, I would love for you to share just a little bit. Don't give too much away about your book. What's here now? Yes. And the subtitle is how to stop rehashing the past and rehearsing the future and start receiving the present. And, and really it comes from my own lived journey of realizing that so many of us were here, but not really here. Uh, We're in this now moment, but oftentimes in our minds and our hearts, we're somewhere else. We're rehashing something that has already happened or we're rehearsing something that is still to come. And the funny thing about both of those things is that rehashing the past is just trying to change something uh, that has already happened. And rehearsing the future is trying to control something that hasn't yet happened, but receiving the present, it's really choosing to experience what's occurring in the here and the now. And when you think about it, Jen, the now is all we really have. I I like to say that if it's not happening now, it's not happening. And yet so many of us, we're living in our not happenings and we're missing out on what's here and now, which is the power of the present moment. Yeah, I love that. And I I love just the premise of this book because 
I've really experienced this in my own life with, and I think we're kind of trained for it. Honestly, when you think about like high school, you have to be thinking about college. And then after college, you're thinking about your next career. And so you're always kind of not being forced, but, you know, looking toward the future and you miss out on like the present graces and beauties and these things that are present. And I am probably the worst. I'm an Enneagram six. So I'm always trying to prepare for the future and plan everything. And so this book was, it was just a really great reminder that all I have, like you just said, is right here and right now. And that's where I can meet Jesus. I can't meet Jesus like in the future. And I have in the past, but really I just have right now, but I'm curious, like personally, what for you, like led you to write this book? Was there like a personal journey you were on experiencing this stuff? Like, what was it for you? Yeah, I write a little bit about this in the in the introduction. And I, I talk about really getting to a point in my life where I was just living on the doorsteps of burnout. I was exhausted, overwhelmed. My human being was much more like a human doing. And I just felt as though uh, those living, refreshing waters that the scriptures talk about, my soul felt dry. It felt mm. weary. And um, I I really began to pay attention to the fact that part of what was causing that dryness and that weariness was that I was spending all of my energy rehashing and rehearsing. I I wasn't actually receiving this now moment. And and really, presence is the gateway to peace. And so we're not going to experience peace in our lives if we don't learn how to be in the present with yeah. our lives. And, and I remember a mentor, uh, you know, just sharing with them. And I, and I was just saying, like, I feel overwhelmed all the time. I feel tired. I feel weary. I feel like I'm living in a perpetual, um, uh, a not yet that is worse than my now, which is mm. really the definition yeah. of worry. That's the definition of anxiety. Yeah. And, um, and I remember him just saying so lovingly and, and kindly, um, well, it's because you're not in the present moment. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm right here. I'm in this, I'm in this corner bakery where we're having coffee, right? He's like, no, 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 no. You're not really here. Yeah. You're not really here. And I, and I started to really pay attention to the fact that it's not just me that struggles to live here. This is a human issue. This is a human tension. Uh, and so I started to really do my own research on myself and on, on humanity and and began to realize that when we rehash the past, we're really just following the breadcrumbs to um, places of blame, of shame, of guilt, of bitterness, um, of, of grief, like unprocessed grief, you know, Mm -hmm. from a loss in our past. Um, And if we're rehearsing the future, we're really living in worry and denial we're pretending we're not living in the, in the authentic spaces that God has invited us into. We're often doing things out of obligation and we're trying to control life. And I saw all of those things on the landscape of my life. And, And they kind of became almost like, you know, on the dashboard of your car, right? When it says check engine, right? They began to be these little lights of clarity for me that whenever they showed up in my life, I realized, oh, you're not really here. And I, and I began to notice it by asking this question, what's here now? And, and it's a simple question. And, and I think what I needed, and, and honestly, what I think most people need is they need the simplicity 
of a spiritually forming question to draw them back into the present moment. I didn't need like 10 steps. I didn't need (laughs) three things to memorize. I didn't need like, you've got to do this and that and this and that, and then you'll get back into the present moment. I needed one question to draw me back into this now moment. And that question was, what's here now? And so when I ask the question, and, and I ask it multiple times throughout the day, I'll, I'll simply just pause, I'll breathe, and then I'll say, okay, what am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? And what am I thinking in my mind? And the combination of those three things and drawing attention back to this now moment always brings us back into the present moment. That's so good. Yeah. I love that. And, and you talked about it a little bit. You talked about like the shame, the guilt, and in your book, you really go into your own story of grief. And I truly appreciated the vulnerability that you shared Mm -hmm. in that. I've had a lot of, um, really close friends who recently have lost, uh, brothers and mothers and fathers. And so, um, I'm not going to have you jump into that because I think we could tackle that one for a while, but um, just really appreciated the vulnerability, but I would love for you. Okay. So like, give us an example. So I'm a, I do some life coaching and one of the things I like to do is just kind of like practice the scenario. So if somebody's experiencing shame, let's say somebody, you know, made a mistake in their past um, and they're just experiencing this shame every single day. So what does that look like for them to say what's here now? Like, Is it that examination of your body, your soul, or like, what does that look like for them? Yeah. Well, you know, Brene Brown says that shame really derives its power from being unspeakable. And so often shame occurs. And and really, I like to define shame as self-hatred at my expense. Like if you spell out the word shame, self-hatred at my expense. And I'm that's really what that. shame is, right? <laughs> I wouldn't have picked spell up it on out, it. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Self-hatred at my expense. And yeah. it derives all of its power from being buried, from being something that we keep as the unspeakable in our life. Yeah. And really the kryptonite to shame, if you will, is oxygen. It's when we name it, mm. when we bring it out into the light, when we allow it to be seen and we share our story with someone else, you know, shame, it's got a goal and it is, it is the goal of getting you to believe that you are unworthy of love, that that is shame's um, ammo in our lives. And so when we come back into the present moment and we can name shame is here, I'm feeling some shame over something that happened in, in my story, something that happened in my past, um, something that was done to me, something that I did. It is a beautiful opportunity for us to really trade that condemning story for a story of truth, for a story of, of healing. And, and really, we just examine the shame story. Where is it coming from? We practice like some healthy noticing. You know, so many of us, we've gotten numb to noticing what's really going on in our souls. And we just bring some healthy noticing. Where is this sitting in my soul? We pay attention to the places that we tend to hide. You know, when you think about it back in the garden, it says that before Adam and Eve ate that apple, that they walked with God and they felt no shame. You know, the scriptures could have said a million things. They walked with God and they felt no fear. They 
Well, mm. they walked with God and they felt no worry, but it says that they walked with God and they felt no shame. That's good. And then the second, the second they ate that apple, shame entered their story. They yeah. gathered up some fig leaves. They sewed those fig leaves, you know, to cover themselves. They began to blame one another and they hid from God. And so we have to actually pay attention. Where are the places that we are hiding when shame is at work in our story? And then we have to share that story with somebody that really wants to see us, that, that wants to allow our shame to no longer have power in our lives. I think so many of us, when it comes to shame, we live in isolation. Yeah. And shame is um, what it needs is it needs the intimacy of community. And and when we bring that out into the light, when we bring that out into the gift of loving, safe community, that shame doesn't have power in our lives anymore. Yeah. One on that, one of the quotes that you had in your book that I reread like three times, because I was like, this is really good. And this is super powerful. It said the danger of isolation is greater than the risk of intimacy. And I love Mm -hmm. how you just talked about it. It's, it's getting it out there, but having that safe space and community is something I love to talk about on the podcast. Cause I think it's just a part of who we are. I think it's so yeah. important for, um, you know, learning about who Christ is, who we are in Christ, yeah. like all of it. And so I, I loved that quote. I thought that was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love for you to just kind of walk us through somebody who is listening to this besides going and getting the book, which everyone if you're listening, you better go get the book, but (laughs) can you give us some practical steps that a person could really utilize in their lives right now, um, to just put this into practice? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think so many of us are coming out of a season these last two years, uh, unlike anything that we've ever walked through. And we've probably all struggled uh, to be present with what is. And instead of being with what is, we, we've kind of, you know, been living in all of the what was and the what ifs. And I think one of the first things that somebody can practically begin to do to start to practice being present. And I guess I will, I will say that that's one of the most important things is to remember it's a practice. Yeah. Uh, I think when I first started paying attention to the fact that I struggled to be in the present moment. I think I was hoping that I could just put it on my to-do list, check it once, and then I'd be present for all of time. And and that is just not the case. Presence is a practice. It is a discipline. It is something that we have to do over and over and over again. And the beauty of practicing presence is we get to get present with God. We get to get present with ourselves. And that in turn, allows us to be present with one another. And so many of us were distracted. And when we're distracted, oftentimes we don't want to pay attention to the thing beneath the thing. We don't want to pay attention to what is it that's really going on in my soul. And so what we do with the distraction is that we then numb ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, we numb ourselves with our phones. We numb ourselves with all kinds of ways that we can leave the present moment. Um, you know, medicators, uh, food addiction, whatever. Um, and we leave the present moment and we leave what God is doing in the here and the now. And so one of the first things that I encourage people to do is to just start to pay attention to their breath Mm, and to actually 
like pay attention to your inhale and your exhale. So many of us are moving at a rapid pace in our lives. We have unboundaried relationships. We have unfiltered amount of input coming into our lives that we don't even pause to pay attention to our breath. And so to just learn how to actually pause, to breathe, to take a deep breath, and to, to actually ask yourself, what am I sensing here in my body? You know, the body is incapable of lying to us, Jen. It, it, it's so fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, my, my heart can tell me all kinds of things that maybe aren't true. My mind can tell me all kinds of things that maybe aren't true. But the body is actually so faithful to tell us the truth. You know, yeah. when, when we have a headache, our body is trying to tell us something. When there's a, you know, an ache in our back, our body's trying to tell us something. And so to actually learn to bring some healthy attention to the sensations in our body and pay attention to them. And we can only do that if we pause and if we breathe. Then I would tell somebody to start to pay attention to your heart space, um, to start to learn how to notice your emotions and name them. You know, an emotion is really just energy in motion. It's nothing more than energy in motion. And what we try to do is we try to give our emotions all kinds of answers and all our emotions are looking for are space. They just want healthy space to be felt and then released in in a productive way versus an unproductive way. And then the third thing that I would say is to start to pay attention to your thoughts. Uh, You know, so many of us, we've heard the passage, um, take captive every thought. And I think that we actually are doing that verse at the inverse. We're letting our thoughts take us captive. And, you know, just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. And not every thought you have is helpful. And so, you know, one of the things that we need to do is actually start to notice, oh, maybe that is an unhealthy thought. Maybe that thought is not of service to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's almost like, I I like to think of our thoughts like planes overhead, you know, like, and and researchers say that we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day. Wow. That's a lot of thinking. That's a lot of thinking. I'm exhausted. So I'm exhausted thinking about that. Much and, and what we need to learn how to do with all of those thought planes is not clear all of them for landing. I think every one of us are, are you know, God's like, take captive your thoughts. You're the air yeah. traffic controller of your thoughts. It's you good. do not need to let every one of these thoughts land on the runway of your mind. And yeah. You know, those practices of pausing, breathing, what am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? What am I thinking in my mind? They always bring us back to the present moment. Yeah, no, that's good. It's funny when you're talking about like paying attention to your breath and how all this is a practice. I'm sitting here thinking of the first times I began to like try meditation and like hot Mm -hmm. yoga. I was so uncomfortable and like crawling in my skin and I, I could not get myself to settle down. But now looking back, it's been probably, I don't know, five years since I started doing that stuff. And now it's just something that is like secondary to me and my body knows, okay, we're going to, we're going to pray now. We're going to go into this time of rest. And every time that my thoughts start wandering, I do exactly what you said. I pay attention to my breath and that kind of center centers me in. Um, so I love that. And I think that is a really, really great practical step that anyone listening can, can do. Um, so I want to 
talk to you about this because this is totally when I was reading the book, I'm like, man, but I struggle with like not planning for the future. And I'm such a future oriented person. I want to know, you know, what are our goals? What are our plans? And it's probably from being like a college athlete. We have no choice, but to like (laughs) plan and have goals and conquer them. But how do you balance being really present in the here and the now and ask yourself what's here now without planning for the future and not being, I don't want to use the word, well, I'm going to use it ignorant that things you do need to plan for. So like, what is the balance there? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I am a advocate for, for two things that, uh, the, the past and the future bring to us, you know, the past is something that I believe we need to process. I believe that there are patterns in our past that we need to pay attention to so that we don't repeat them. Right. And so it it is really important that we do our work, whether that's with a therapist, whether that's with a spiritual director, whether that's in small group community, I am an advocate for all of those things. The thing about the past is that the past is a great place to learn from. It's a terrible place to live. Yeah. The same is true about the future, right? We need to be mindful with healthy planning. The problem with the future is it's a great place to plan for, but it's a terrible place to live in. And so what happens when we come back into the present moment is we can bring our healthy processing. We can bring our healthy dreams for the future. And when we're in the present moment, we can actually make really wholehearted plans Mm, for the future. So many of us, our goals and our plans are actually being poured out from places of rehashing the past that we have not really processed. Yeah. And, And so we're making plans and goals that are actually not the plans and goals and purposes that God has for us. We're trying to prove something. We're trying to be something that God is perhaps not inviting us to be. We're trying to advance something that God may not actually be inviting us to advance. And when we come into this now moment in the present, we can actually pay attention to what is God really saying here in this now moment that can give me an indication of how to plan for the future. I'm, I'm a planner as well. I'm right there yeah. with you. There's nothing that I like more than a blank sheet in the morning and I can write all of my to-dos and write the little box and check them through. I mean, so is, good. There, is there anything better? Uh, and it's not that we are not healthy planners. That's actually um, a, a call from God on our lives, but we're to do it in the present moment. We're to do it in the present moment. And when we can pause in this now moment and go, okay, God, today, this day, what is it that I am to be about? Yeah. On this day, we actually then make healthy plans for the future versus unhealthy plans. Yeah. Jeannie, that's really good. And I feel like I'm going to have to re-listen to this when I'm thinking (laughs) only about the future, which I tend to do. So I'm right there with you. That that (laughs) is my, you know, I think a lot of us have a tendency towards one over the other. Um, We either have a tendency to rehash the past or rehearse the future. And mine is for sure, Jen, mine is for sure the the future. Uh, And, you know, future Jeannie is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah right? future Jen is the best. <laughs> the best. And, and, and what I have realized is that sometimes my planning is a way to avoid what is. 
Right. It's, it's yep. my way to live in denial of what I really need to pay attention to right. in the here and the now. Yeah, that's good. So I don't want to ask any more questions about the book because really I just want, we just brushed the surface, but this book is so good. So those of you listening, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Also, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll be able to see what this book is all about. You can go order it. So definitely do that. But a question I ask on every podcast, and I'm so glad looking back that the question says right now and not in the future, but what adventure in life are you most excited about right now? <laughs> right now. It's a present day question, right? Thank I, goodness. I this yeah, would be awkward. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love adventure because I think that God created us for it and God created us in, in the here in the now to be present with play and with adventure and with, uh, you know, Jesus says, I, I have come to give life and life to the full. And, and so the invitation is for abundance. The invitation is for a full life. And so one of the things that I am most looking forward to in adventure uh, this summer, we, we just moved in the pandemic. And so this is our first summer in our new community. And oh, cool. so the adventure for me right now is, is learning the community that I live in, learning the mm. people that I, um, you know, just live a stone's throw away from, um, finding the adventure of the best ice cream here in our new community. We've <laughs> yes. got a forest preserve and, um, you know, navigating myself through that forest preserve, going on bike rides with my kids. Uh, yeah. There's a pool across the street uh, with a diving board. And so we all talked about what do we want to be able to do at the end of the summer off the diving board, things like that. And so the adventure for me is actually being where I am planted and um, mm -hmm. being present to the community that we now live in um, here, here and now. I love that. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes finding like the best coffee shops or best restaurants, yep. it's, it's the most fun. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and to do it right yeah. where we are. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. The words you've shared today just have so much wisdom and they, they really brought me literally, I feel more present just after this mm -hmm. conversation. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, thank you, Jen. What a delight to be with you and your listeners.